I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 106, should I give the sex talk if I think I'm already too late? Well, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Rena. It's like a love-hate relationship with this holiday, right? But it, can I tell you, it's even more painful when you have a teen, especially if the kids around them have significant others and they don't. It's true. I feel like Valentine's Day is like sweet for kids who do have relationships and extremely painful for kids who do not. It just sort of puts in their face that they are single for the moment at least. And can I say a moment of panic for parents who do have kids who are in relationships because what do you do if you haven't really had that sex talk yet? And we got this letter, Lisa. I thought it was perfect for us to talk about on Valentine's Day. Dear Lisa, I have a question that I would love help on. My 16-year-old daughter just had her first boyfriend and breakup after three months. I wasn't ready for it when it started, but got on board because he seems so sweet and now he just broke up with her. She was initially heartbroken, but seems to be bouncing back well. I recently came across a text that made me realize they were physical before I had managed to have that conversation with her. How do I bring up the sex conversation after they've already fooled around? I don't want her to know that I know, and I wonder if it's unrealistic to expect her to tell me that. I'm just shocked because she appears so sweet and innocent, and I'm having a very hard time integrating the fact that my teen has a sexual side to herself, which I realize, okay, might sound absurd. It's just hard to integrate. I would love any advice. Thank you so much. Can I just ask you off the top, for parents who think we've got this really sweet, innocent daughter, does that happen often that they really have this other side that they hide from their parents? Um, 
I think, let me reframe it back to you. Like, okay. sexual development is part of healthy development. And I think what I so love about this letter is this parent just saying, like, it's so weird to think of my kid in this way. It's so hard to think of my kid as having a physical life. I don't know if they had intercourse or not, but why don't we assume for the sake of argument that they did? Um, I I think that rather than working with what is a very kind of predominant and very American framing, and especially around girls, that like sex is naughty, sex is mm-hmm. wrong. Right. We really want to accept like this is part of healthy development. Um, I think this parent is just being very straight up about the fact that like, wow, this is hard to kind of bring into my understanding of who my kid is. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, should the mom let on that she actually knows that she's had some something? We don't know. Well, what. this is interesting. And it gets to questions we've picked up in other podcasts about if you see something on your kid's texts, yeah. is that something for, you know, discussion between the two of you? And it's not my sense from the letter that this parent has made it clear or that this girl understands that the mom may be looking at her texts. So I think it opens up a whole other can of worms to be like, okay, two things. One is I was looking at your text and two, whoa, you were having sex. Whoa. Those are two kind of big whopper things if they come together. So my inclination, I mean, I I think, you know, this is about maintaining a good working relationship with this kid, right? We talk about that all the time. If the mother feels the need to look at the girl's texts going forward, I think she should give the kid the heads up that she's doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what benefit comes at this point from saying, number one, I've been looking at your text without telling you, and number two, I didn't realize you were having sex. I think mm-hmm. it's already happened. I don't know that there's benefit going forward. Got it. So you don't think the mom should, obviously don't don't say that you've seen the text, but the mom shouldn't say, listen, going forward, I'm going to be checking your text. Like you just don't think it, there's- Well, it's worth it. if she's going to go do it going forward, I think she needs to tell the she kid. Should. Okay. Or she might be like, okay, you know what? My kid's 16 and this is too much information and I basically trust her. And so yeah. I'm going to stop looking at her texts. That's another route this mom could take. Interesting. So what do you think? Is it ever too late to have that talk? And it's like a weird point now because- Right? She's kind of crossed something here at this point. <laughs> the horse is out of the barn, right? Exactly. Um, so, Rena, I think we want to unpack the term, the sex talk, because the way this mom is framing it in the letter is like, oh, I meant to sit down and discuss all of these things with her. And I thought I had more time. Mm-hmm. Here is the reality. It doesn't work well to have it as a single sit down at a timing of the parents choosing. Like this letter is evidence that it's not going to work well. (laughs) Like it's, you know. And what I would love instead, if we took the term sex talk and we put in there in our minds, instead of like the single sit down, a series of touch point conversations over a long period of time Mm -hmm. that grow with the child and the details of which grow with the child. Um, And there's a lot of reason to do this. One is you don't know when this is going to be relevant or important information for your kid. Another is kids can't actually tolerate very long conversations with their parents about anything delicate usually. And certainly sex (laughs) would be in that category. (laughs) And so 
you know, I think about it all the time, like on these delicate conversations, like we're like a SWAT team. We're in, we're out. We say what we got to say. We leave the door open for more questions if they have them, but we don't make them sit there and squirm just thinking, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? We do it quickly. Okay. That's interesting because we in society often frame it as you have one talk and that's it. Just that one talk. But you're saying, first off, when should you even start sort of dropping little Planting little seeds, if I can use that metaphor. Yeah. Well, it's Probably the wrong metaphor. No, it's a good metaphor, and it's kind of a funny metaphor. I like it. Let's go with it. Let's go with it. Um, you can start surprisingly early. One of the conversations that can come up with your three- and four-year-old are questions about consent and mm. what's allowed and what's not okay. And so um, – it may come up in terms of you saying, hey, you know, I see that you're struggling with your overalls. Can I help you get those overalls on? Right. So the parent, even in that moment, mm-hmm. is giving a lesson about consent. Like, I'm about to put my hands on your body. I'm going to check to make sure that's okay. We can then have, um, I will tell you, I have jokingly talked with my daughters about consent when they are wrestling with each other or, <laughs> you know, in each other's faces. And they're like, do this. I'm like, consent, consent. And they just like crack up and laugh and like blow me off. But I think there's even like, I have discovered lighthearted moments in family life if you have more than one kid where you can make comments around like, is she really consenting to that? Or are you forcing that? That's so that's so the start of a sex talk, you know, like that's ah. where we get the ball rolling on allowed and not allowed and okay and not okay. Um, and then often, and this comes up in other domains too, kids will say stuff about their friends or their classmates. And that's an invitation to talk about romances. Have your kids started talking about like couples in their class or who likes no. who? Is that up already? No, I haven't heard anything yet on that. No, no. Okay. <laughs> um, which gets to the issue that kids often do not want to have these conversations with their parents because I promise you, Rena, given the grades your kids are in, yeah, there's action. Gonna... Like there are couples, there in are fifth crushes, and sixth there's grade? discussion. Oh, okay. Uh, you, yes, crushes for sure. For yep. sure. Well, and there may even be kissing or, yeah. you know. So it happens. I'm just, I'm in denial. I'm the mom in denial, just like in this letter here. <laughs> well, and it's, it's very common, right? To just feel like they're little kids. They're so sweet. Like that's, a, that's exactly. way off in the future. It's often not nearly as far away as we think it is. So what I would say is as parents, what we're looking for are choice opportunities to talk about romance over time, talk about physical romance over time, the physical side of sexuality, and um, keep it quick and keep it matching where the kid is at the moment. Now, a parent might be saying, I never have an opening. Like my kid never brings it up. I um, feel weird bringing it up because I feel like they're just going to go running for the hills. Yeah. And if that's the case, I think that it's a really smart idea for parents to say something to their kids like, you know, and maybe by sixth grade, yeah, fifth or sixth grade is is definitely when this topic is on the playground for sure. Mm. I think it's a great idea for parents to say, "Listen, you may start to hear about sex. You may start to hear about, um, you know, all things sexual. I'm going to make a promise to you. I am here to answer any questions you have and give you good information. And my promise to you is that whatever question you ask me, I will answer that question and I will stop. I will mm. not continue to give you any more information." unless you want it. 
Because sometimes I have seen when parents like really want to have the sex talk with their kid, and then the kid you know, like cracks the door open a little bit, the parent comes barging forward with all of this extra information. The kid's like, I did not want all that information. Yeah. And then the door closes and locks, and the kid's like, I am never going to ask another never. question. Never. Done. It's over. Okay. So that's one way to do it. That's really great. Lisa, I want to pause for a second. Um, we're going to take a break. And on the other side, I want to ask you, is it really realistic for parents to expect teens at this age to be open about their sex lives? We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ask Lisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking about if it's ever too late to give kids that sex talk. So Lisa, do you think it's unrealistic of this mom to expect her daughter 
to be open and to share her sex life. I think it probably is. What do you think, Rena? Well, I, I just, when you have parents who are, you know, from India and you just never, ever engage in sex until you're married, period, I think that there's a whole, you just don't know. You don't want to talk to your parents about that, do you? I think um, in the U.S., <laughs> it's not something we tend to have deep family conversations between parents and their kids about what's happening in their sex lives. Yeah. That's a boundary that we keep in place. I will say in Scandinavia, um, it's a very different ethic around that. I, yeah, I know. Like, I almost want us to have somebody from Scandinavia to talk about sex because we are – are we doing it wrong in America? Well, by the numbers in terms of bad outcomes, the answer is yes. And by bad outcomes, I mean unwanted pregnancies, STIs among adolescents. Mm. We are doing it wrong. And, and wow. let's unpack that for a minute. But I will tell you the general view from Europe – is that Americans have a lot of hangups around sex, that we don't talk about it comfortably, that we make mm -hmm. it weirder than it has to be. Um, I think our view going back would be like, you guys are like super, you know, liberal around things that we seem to find a much more buttoned up attitude to be appropriate. <laughs> but what I'll tell you is that the American stance that is pretty common and especially around adolescents and especially around adolescent girls, that like sex is naughty or bad or, you know, should be delayed as long as absolutely possible. Um, what it does is it makes our kids less likely to take good care of themselves in the context of sexual interactions, to mm. use birth control, to make sure that they're not going to transmit or you know, receive an STI or STD. Whereas in countries, largely you know, the Dutch are especially good at this, in countries where sex is seen as part of normal and healthy development and kids or adolescents are given you know, permission to have desire, have an interest, take, you know, want to have physical intimacy. What comes with that is much more comfort talking about, you know, keeping oneself safe in the context of sex, you know, whether or not there's going to be birth control, who's going to bring it. And there was an incredible study done where American women and Scandinavian women, I think, were surveyed about their attitudes around birth control and the Scandinavian, and it was college women, it was college women, Scandinavian college women were like, yeah, no, you, you know, you keep a condom just in case something fun comes up. Whereas the American, the, the quote from the study that was so compelling was an American female college student saying, if you take a condom to a party, it means you're a slut. Mm. And, and so, yeah, we're doing it wrong from the standpoint of health outcomes for young people. Um, and so on the one hand, I'm not saying, so everybody go start interviewing your children about their sex lives, right? Like that's not what I'm recommending. <laughs> but what I am recommending is if we really try to go with this model that of course our kids are going to have desire and of course our kids are going to want to be physically intimate. And we want to create conditions where we normalize that and then make as part of that taking really good care of oneself and one part, one's partners through that process. Does it work, do you find? I mean, I know that you're not with teenagers right before they're having intimate relations, um, but does it work, um, get into the minds of, of teens that, you know, carry a condom? Like, this is how you practice. Like, do you find that having this conversation over and over again actually sinks in? Well, we do have research showing the kids care what we say and they care what we think. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, back to the question of like, if your kid's not bringing it up, right? So one is to say, I'll answer your questions. You know, don't feel like you're going to regret having asked me. Mm-hmm. I think another conversation on another day, right? We're thinking SWAT team, you're in, you're out. You don't do this over and over again on the same day is to say, hey, you know, you're not bringing up questions and that's okay. We're always ready for them if you have them. But here's a couple things that we want you to know or that I, as your parent, want you to know. Number one, um, when it comes to your love life, you know, it's really important that you focus on what you want and what you want to have happen first. Second, focus on what your partner wants. Third, focus on what you both want together. Fourth, you know, make sure whatever you want together, you're doing it in a safe way. You know, you, we, I am very happy to answer questions about birth control. You know where you can access condoms if you need it. Um, you, you can say all that in a conversation. So you make it clear. Like we, we expect desire. We respect your desire. We want you to take really good care of yourself. Now, another conversation can be about values installation around other things. And you can say to your kids, so... You know, like, Rena, you described your family had a very clear sense of what the values were around when intercourse happened, right? That those were communicated to you. Were they ever set out right or were they just understood? It was fully understood. And they were immigrant parents. We went to church every Sunday. um, And I still do enjoy doing that. But, you know, I think that it is one of those things where, oh, my God, no. I mean, I think if you were to talk to my parents, things, you know, they've evolved since then. But I, but, but I think that the truth is there are, I don't know, I just feel like growing up in the 80s and 90s is very different than, you know, today. And, and I also want to be respectful too. There are some families who really do encourage their kids not to engage in sexual activity. But um, for those who well, do, you know, yeah. or have a different I mean, perspective. They can, but you know, even if you don't put the line at marriage, right? There may be families that put the line at marriage, and that is certainly, you know, values we need to respect. How families talk and think about it in their own homes is entirely their business. But there are other lines parents could articulate, and so you could say, you know, here's our view as a family: we think that intercourse is something that happens in the context of, and then you can do fill in the blank, right? Marriage, uh, you know, a, a loving relationship. Um, having known the person for a long time, yeah. um, being at least college aged. I mean, like, I don't like people can insert their view here. Now, the teenager may like be like, yeah, whatever, roll their eyes, get me out of here. Right. I mean, it's very unlikely that the teenager is going to be like, I have been wondering so much about when you thought intercourse was appropriate. I'm so glad you brought it up. <laughs> but that's okay because yeah. rolling the eyes, you know, Rena, I could take that as like, I heard you, let the kid out. But those things will shape and inform decisions kids make. So if your family has a strong sense of values about that, be very clear what your values are. And at the same time, and it's interesting to watch this theme come up around drinking, around you know intercourse, say, but whenever you do make this choice for yourself, what we care about is that you're doing what you want and you're doing it safely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's great to hear. You're doing what you want, but you're doing it safely. So how do you integrate as the mom, it clearly in this email is, is struggling with, in your mind that your kid is now sexually active. That's, that's, whoa, whoa. It's really funny. I, I have two stories, Rena, just to normalize how hard this is. One was in my own house. So my husband is wonderful, um, very um, thoughtful, very um, introverted, and not someone who likes to talk about sex in any public forum of any kind. And 
luckily I am much more comfortable talking about it because of my job. And I remember one time when our daughters were younger, I was sort of teasing him about this of like, you, we, we, we both know who's going to end up doing the sex talks. And he's like, absolutely. And I said to him, what would you do if one of our girls asked you a question about sex? And he said, without skipping a beat, he said, oh, I would fake a stroke. <laughs> like, like he'd been planning it. Knew, so, so I think like he in some ways speaks to how a lot of so parents good. and maybe how a lot of dads of daughters may feel like I would just fake a stroke. Like I would just try to get out of that conversation as fast as possible. And then Rena, I remember when I was in my training, there was a senior psychologist at the clinic where I was doing my training. And um, you know, it's very interesting to be in a psychological training clinic because like everyone's a psychologist. So we're all thinking in very kind of, you know, psychological frameworks all the time while we're all living our lives alongside each other and having big things happen like marriages and babies and all of that. And um, I remember the senior psychologist's daughter was coming home from college with her boyfriend. And the senior psychologist was talking about having this kid, this boy come home with his daughter. And so um, I remember seeing him the next day after the daughter had come home from college with the boy. And I was like, so do you like him? And the senior psychologist said, I like him and I want to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. So spot on. So spot on. Which is to say, it's okay if it's a little hard to integrate that view of your kid, because that's not the view of our kid that we have or that we share. And the only thing I would say to try to like just normalize it even further, Rena, you know how like we all have different sides of ourselves that we exercise in different places? Mm-hmm. So like my younger daughter does not like to watch when I'm on television. Why? Um, she says it doesn't look like you. It doesn't sound like you. It's not the mom I know. And what? it's actually not That's the so mom funny. she knows. I'm in a professional setting. Yeah, yeah. So we all have different sides that we don't, and we don't share every last one of them with the yeah. people in our families. Yeah. Oh, that's that's such a great that's that's such a great anecdote. Um, I want to ask you though, when you're dealing with a situation like this where you might not have had the sex talk, where do you think this mom should go from here? Like she clearly, it sounds to me like wants to approach this topic. Yeah. It's clearly uncomfortable. We all agree. But if you've never really done it and they're sexually active, what's your advice at that point? So I think this mom may have an opening, you know, if discussion about this boy comes up, which I imagine at some level it will, or a discussion about another, you know, romantic partner comes up, I think the mom may have an opening to say, you know, this might be too little too late, but there's some things I've been wanting to say to you about how we think about physical intimacy in this family, what our values are, what our beliefs are. Mm -hmm. And then she could lay it out. She could say the piece around, like, it's got to be centered around your desire. It's got to be centered around safety. You know, here's how we think the timing is, you know, but I think again, the timing question, she may now have new information and not want to make this girl feel ashamed, right? So she may set the timing question aside. Um, So I don't think the door is closed to having conversations about sex. And I do think all parents should if they can not fake a stroke through this, all parents should <laughs> offer to their kids, we are very glad to be sources of information. Because you know, a lot of kids are getting their information about sex from porn, right? Kids are yeah. curious about sex. And so, I mean, Rena, I have memories of being very curious about sex and looking up penis in the dictionary, yeah. right? Like, yeah. 
different Which time. is a really boring definition. Oh, Encyclopedia so now Britannica. Kids, right, exactly, exactly. So now kids type in penis and like, oh, wow, what comes across? So you're competing with porn as the other sex ed- educator in this. You want wow. to put yourself out there as like, yes. we are happy to provide you good information about how yeah. this actually operates and answer your questions. So I think that can still happen. I think, um, you know, the mom being clear, like how much she wants her daughter's desire to sit at the center of this can still happen. Um, but I I think um, there's just some taking it under advisement that this mom needs to do. Like her kid's a sexual kid because her kid's a healthy growing human being and it's a big adjustment for all of us. I also love what you, I think maybe in season one had said, you know, these tough conversations that you don't want to have are sometimes great to have in the car. I think we have this big thing, like the sex talk, you take them out to lunch and then you, and it's like awful. And what you were saying, one of the big takeaways from this podcast is have these conversations early and often, not one. Start with consent over just simple as zipping up a jacket that, you know, getting that ingrained. But I I love what you have told us in the past that sometimes not having to make eye contact in a car and you get in and out quickly. Yep. And I'll say it again. Often, if you really have to have a heavy conversation, start it two to three minutes from when you're home. (laughs) Because (laughs) all the kid is thinking, I promise you, as soon as you're like, so I want to talk with you about our values about intercourse, the kid is thinking, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Like they can hardly hear what you're saying (laughs) because they're like, get me out, get me out. So if they're like, okay, I can throw myself from the car in two minutes, your chances of them being able to take in and listen to what you're offering are going up. Oh, that's great. Um, Well, thank you, Lisa. So what do you have for us for Parenting to Go? I've been thinking, Rena, about the themes that recur in our podcast. And I just love the way in which all the various questions we have coming from so many different directions sort of bring us to these various recurrent topics and and principles. And the principle that I think rises to the surface in this conversation is the idea of maintaining an ongoing working relationship with your adolescent, that that is the main aim, right? For all good things flow from that. Your kid's safety flows from that. Your enjoyment of your teenager flows from that. Like everything we want hinges on having a good working relationship with your kid. And so I think so much what I want to offer parents is not like, I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't say to your kid, right? Like the variables are millions. Mm -hmm. What we can say is walk up to it with the question of, if I approach it this way, what will the impact be on my ongoing working relationship with my kid? If I approach it that way, what will the impact be? And use that as a guiding force. And so we can think about that in terms of this mom and the next conversation she has. That way of thinking that the relationship is the core should be helpful. That puts so much into perspective. And you got me to rethink that, that will this damage our relationship, which you say is an instrumental part of your thinking and how you approach hard conversations often. Absolutely. And can I tell you, I am so excited about our episode next week. We're going to be talking about your incredible book that'll officially be out next week. Uh, If you haven't pre-ordered, you know I've been saying it's because I believe this fully. You're going to want this book. It's so good, Lisa. Um, It's called The Emotional Lives of Teenagers, and we're going to talk about it next week. I cannot wait. Well, happy Valentine's Day. You gave us a lot to talk about sex. Happy Valentine's Day, Rena. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. 
and send us your questions to AskLisa at DrLisaDemore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.